So Daryl, thank you so much for joining me on Elevate Music Business. So you have a very interesting, um, I suppose, career in the music industry. You've got 25 years in the music business, including launching and running one of Canada's largest emerging artist showcase festivals and conferences, Indie Week Canada, which is November 8th to 12th. And also as well, you've done a lot of other, you know, new um, online music and tech conferences and including Music Pro Summit and that. So I suppose let's start at the beginning. Tell us, like, how did you actually get involved in the music business, you know, day dot? Sure. Uh, I think it's like the typical story of I wanted to be a musician. I played guitar, went in through a number of bands. And uh, when you're when you're in a band trying to make it, you're doing everything yourself and you pick up skill sets along the way. And you learn that it's a business and that, uh, yes, it'd be great to play guitar. Yes, it'd be great to be in a band, but not every band gets to have that success and sustainability. So often you move in towards the business side. And I was always the guy in the band that booked all the shows, promoted the shows, did the website, uh, basically did all the meetings and everything on behalf of the band. So it, at one point, um, I thought that there needed to be a platform for new emerging artists to be able to showcase their material. So I created Indie Week and that really pulled me into the business side full time. Wow. And like, where have you, you were saying that you've brought um, Indie Week to a few different countries. Tell us about Indie Week in general, like what's involved, how long it goes for and, you know, where you've traveled to with it. Sure. So it's it's about 20 years ago that we started it. And it, and it, when I first started, it was really just going to be a hobby. And then it just kept growing. And then international bands started coming to Canada. And uh, really, I got to say, we've got a real big connection with Ireland because there was one band that came over. They were called Vestavaro from Limerick. And they were voted best band of the festival. And I started to manage them. So I started making trips to Ireland and... Through that, uh, the band was like, we should do Indie Week in Ireland. And more Irish acts came to Canada, so it just made sense. So we ran Indie Week in Ireland for about six years. And it went through a whole bunch of different transformations. And uh, then we moved it to uh, UK. And then Brexit happened, and we decided to sort of just shut it down because Brexit visa issues and stuff like that didn't look like it was going to be um, a worthwhile venture. And we've also done road to indie week which is where we host showcases and select artists to come to canada and we've done that in brazil we did do that in ireland we've done it across canada uh and a couple other countries as well um and for now what we've done because of covid is we're not really doing the festival performance side we're doing conferences and that's plural meaning we actually host four conferences a year online and we are in the middle of launching an export program, which will take artists to other territories. We actually just got back from Brazil, hosting two Canadian artists at a festival there called Coma Fest. So we've turned into an online conference and education platform. We're building a community platform. So it'll be like we have our own Facebook, but for music. And uh, as far as performances go, we are hosting artists in other conferences internationally. Uh, we've got more announcements to come uh, and it's pretty exciting. Wow, and tell us about the tech conferences. What, what specifically um, tech-wise are you sort of, you know, working on or promoting or what, what, what are you doing regards the, uh, the tech conferences? 
Sure. So the online conferences, there's four of them. And what we've done is taken our normal conference and we split it up into four groups because uh, to do everything online all at the same time, like you normally would do in a hotel, would just confuse people. And, and also it would dilute the subject matter down to where I don't think it would have as much impact. So we focus on different uh, roles or uh, subject matter. So for instance, Music Pro Summit is coming up in September 6th to 8th, then it's all online. And that's like high level industry discussions, strategy, data. We talk about music sync and licensing. Uh, and we're going to talk about the metaverse, of course, and NFTs because they're hot right now. Uh, Indie Week, that conference is in November online. And that one is a little bit of all the conferences, but it's really focusing on international. So we have people from a lot of different sectors of the globe, different markets, and we do a lot of B2B and networking. And then screen by screen is February, and that's a real music and tech focused conference. So this year we had blockchain, AI, VR, AR, uh, metaverse, uh, all the new emerging technologies and Web3. And then Indie 101 is in May online, and that's really about education, like how to do things, how to distribute your music, how to get your publishing in order, how to collect and monetize, how to do streaming. Uh, so those are the four sectors, and it works out really well. We, we've got a group of people that come, literally come to every one, uh, and we've seen their, their careers progress through it. But a big part of it all is the ability to network with people internationally in a short period of time, but also uh, our platforms are live for three months. So if you can't make a session, you could watch it later. And also you can connect with people ongoing. So I feel it's actually a little bit better uh, of an experience than an in-person conference for the networking aspects. For sure, yeah, that sounds amazing. So what do you think um, there, you mentioned NFTs and blockchain, I might just ask you about both of them, I suppose one, you know, what way would you suggest for musicians that might be listening that they can create NFTs, sell NFTs and the benefit of them, of, of, of getting into NFTs and also about blockchain, you know, where do you see, you know, music fitting in in the blockchain realm of things in the near future? Sure, well, NFTs, I think, a lot of people are still confused what an NFT is. Uh, and it, it's funny because I don't know if you've watched like say Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares and he's always gone in and when you've got a menu and there's like so many options, he's like, get rid of all these options. And like, you've got two appetizers, two or three entrees and two desserts and that's it. Um, because, you know, and I, I also teach and anytime I've ever said, Hey, everybody, open Photoshop and create something. When it's completely open, I find a lot of people are confused. Like, well, what do you mean create something? Anything. Uh, like like what? Uh, I don't know, a circle, a square. Uh, make it red, make it purple, anything. And, and when there's so many options, I feel we actually almost pause and go, well, what can I do? And NFTs are kind of in that place where an NFT can be anything. It doesn't have to be digital. An NFT just is a certificate saying you own something that you collected, like you redeemed or purchased. And that could literally be concert tickets. So it could be an actual physical thing. You could be selling your guitar. But I think a lot of people think because it's a digital platform that it's all digital. Um, 
And uh, an artist I used to manage from the UK, he actually opened for uh, Dolly Parton at South by Southwest. And he gave out uh, basically to, for somebody who purchased an NFT of his, he bought them a plane ticket to see him play in Austin, Texas. So it's really the chance for an artist to be creative, to engage their audience in the way their audience wants to be engaged with. And, and I think that the possibilities are endless and it's actually really exciting. Um, the barrier right now is for basically NFTs to be largely embraced and adapted to uh, and understood. So we'll go through a bit of a growing phase here, I'd say about two to four years of educating people and it becoming the norm. So it's kind of like when Apple iPhones came out, not everybody had one. And almost now everybody has a cell phone and a lot of it is an iPhone and we're all used to it now. So, so there's going to be an education phase and I think we're in it right now. Yeah, for sure. I think that there is a huge confusion, you know, definitely when it comes to NFTs because I mean, it is just another way for artists to, you know, create a different type of art and monetize their art. And as you said, like a plane ticket is a really good idea. And even, you know, having some incentive, like, you know, for people to want to buy it as a collector's piece or for the artist to be creative, as you mentioned, such as like if they have the funds to get them a plane ticket or even bring them behind the scenes or whatnot, um, or even like, you know, selling their um, album cover as well. It's a really, really yeah. good idea. So I think that, yeah, 100%, it is a bit of a learning curve. So um, yeah, I think if you're listening as an artist, definitely you should do some research on NFTs if you're looking to monetize other pieces of art besides your actual music. As I mentioned, it could be your merch, it could be, you know, your album cover or whatnot. Um, and then when it comes to the blockchain, how do you see, I suppose, like artists, you know, fitting into that and, you know, that being, you know, I suppose like using music in the blockchain, would you see it being, you know, part of like, you know, 3D VR in the metaverse and hosting concerts there? Do you see other ways? What, what, what ways do you see artists being able to, um, to use blockchain to their advantage? Well, as far as blockchain goes, it's, it's a way that whoever is the creator and it's a stamp like that blockchain is associated to that item that's created. Uh, so as it passes through transactions, the, there, there can be a royalty payment back to the creator each transaction. Uh, and you get to know who and where, like who owns it at what time, all that kind of stuff. Uh, blockchain, it's, it's also another technology that is going to take some time to be adapted and i i think that that like it's taken a long time already uh i mean when we were hosting indie week in ireland we had a blockchain company back then talking about it and and we're still trying to figure it out and, and get it to a, a case where it's widely adapted um and as far as connecting it with royalties and i think that's the important part for artists uh music publishing is always confusing even to the experts so so there's a lot to be in, to be worked out but i feel once it's worked out it's going to benefit the artist because they'll know exactly all the transactions and that are taking place and they have a chance to make a kickback on every transaction um, if it's done properly yeah, that is like the beauty about blockchain for sure is that the, the traceability and the transparency, which is really, really important. 
So, I mean, yeah, I can completely, um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I would I would agree with you that it's a bit of a slow burner, unfortunately, but hopefully we're going to be going from web 2.0 to 3.0 into the blockchain sooner than later, because I think it's going to, I think everyone will really benefit from being on the blockchain. Um, and I guess then like when it comes to the current state of the music industry, okay, actually maybe just uh, touch on the metaverse first. Are you working with any artists that are trying to kind of get into the metaverse and would you suggest for artists to maybe, you know, become part of the metaverse um, and like where, where would an artist start? Would you always suggest? Uh, I'm not working with an artist per se. Um, I, I'll drop a name, uh, Steve Stewart. Uh, he managed Stone Temple Pilots and uh, just had him in Brazil with us speaking there about the metaverse. And I got to do a plug. He'll be talking about the metaverse at Music Pro Summit. Um, and he's also hosting a one day metaverse conference, the first metaverse conference in person in L.A. in November. Um, so uh, we're talking about a couple projects uh, right now. Um, can't really talk too much about them, but yes, we're working on a couple projects uh, regarding the metaverse. Um, so watch but, this space. <laughs> Brilliant. Sorry, I was like, so, so watch this space. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, at Music Pro Summit, we'll have a talk about the metaverse. But uh, if I could just say a couple things, and and I've talked to a number of artists like we host a weekly session ourselves called indie weekly every tuesday at 4 p.m toronto time uh and we talk about different topics in the music industry and it's an interesting thing i feel that there's three kind of sectors of people and that is me i'm old so i'm part of the old range of people like oh i wish it was all live shows and the way it was but it never will be it's always moving forward and then there's the people that are coming up and they don't know about live shows. Like I literally watched kids watch a concert through Roblox and that's their first concert experience. They don't even know what a live venue is. They don't even know it exists. And they were buying digital merch and things like that. And uh, I believe it was like 3 million people were watching that same concert. And I'm like, wow, if 3 million people each spent $20, that's pretty impressive and that's powerful. So that's where I feel things are going. And then the other sector is the kind of in-between. I'm not sure. I'm going to see what happens. Very indecisive. Um, so what I know is this. Um, in my lifetime, the music formats have always changed, whether I cared for it, liked it, my opinion, or anything. I used to work retail at HMV, and I remember the day we received product, and I was sitting there going, where's cassettes? And they're like, well, they didn't make it for this release. And I think it was Metallica. And I'm like, cassettes? But no cassettes. Like, I like cassettes. That's what I use. And it's the, the joke I use is like, well, Warner Brothers didn't call you, Daryl, to ask for your opinion. Uh, they just made their decision. And that's what they're moving forward with. It's a CD or nothing. So I feel we're in this sort of phase of what's the next phase of music distribution, of getting it out there. And I feel it's combining digitally with performance online. Mm -hmm. So um we've had we've gone through live streaming where you pay for an mp3 or sorry 
first MP3s. You'd pay for an MP3 on the Apple store and download it. And now we're in a streaming stage where you don't actually own anything. You pay for the right to listen to it, but you don't own it. And they could take it off the platform and it could be gone. And that's happened to me. Like I'm like, where's this ACDC song? And it's not listed there, even though on the physical album it's there, but not on the streaming platform because there's probably some dispute in rights and publishing amongst the band or contributors. Um, So now we're turning into the metaverse where it has the opportunity to have live performance but also selling and distributing music. Uh, And I think that's actually very exciting because you can reach a wider audience globally as opposed to the local venue in your hometown. And, And so there's a huge opportunity there. And what we have to look at is the future is the kids that are coming up and what do they care about? Because they're the ones that are adapting to all this technology and they're the ones that are going to be the uh, ones purchasing and, and making those decisions. So we need to look at the youth for our future. Very true. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I suppose, like, what do you think of the current state of the music industry? Do you think that it's just waiting to find its place um, or, you know, because I mean, it is fairly up in the air at the moment. Or do you think it's kind of, you know, it, it is pointing in one direction. I mean, obviously I do agree that, yeah, hundred percent, you can get 3 million people on one live stream, you know, to do a concert, you know, that's, you know, a 20 quid a ticket, that's hugely lucrative, definitely. Um, clearly we're not quite there yet, but, um, you know, for the smaller artists that just kind of, you know, starting out that maybe you might have a thousand followers and maybe <clears throat> like 600 fans, possibly, you know, um, or even less, but maybe say they're fans, maybe they might might sell like 20 tickets. Like what would you kind of suggest for them, like people that are starting out from scratch, the, you know, brand new up and coming artists, like, and they're not too sure where to go because obviously they're not going to have a huge response. Like they put out like an online concert. Um, So yeah, I guess like, what would you kind of say to, you know, young up and coming artists right now, where should they really be focusing their, their energy on? Because, you know, we both know that it's really sort of a marketing game. You know, your music is your product and then you have to sell it and to sell it, you have to market it. And, um, so I suppose, yeah, the question is, so what would you suggest, what would you advise to musicians starting out now to put their time and energy into to get their music out there? Well, uh, that's how long do we have? I, yeah, I could, well, I could, I could talk an hour on this. Uh, so th- there's a couple points. One, I'll plug the online conference again. Yeah. Uh, you have to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to start learning who is the movers and shakers, who are the people I need to know to get my objectives done faster, as opposed to doing it by myself. We've been taught this whole DIY mentality where I'm like, well, actually, if this person over here is doing it really well, I'm going to call them and work with them together. So so I think it's got to be open to finding the right people in the tech space that you're looking to work in. Uh, Because let's face it, most people are hesitant because they don't know how to engage with the tech space. And and so find out who's the movers and shakers and and watch them. And 
the one thing I got to say is I kind of disagree to a point in the sense like we showcased an online platform called the Back in Life. Um, they had offices in Brazil. So think of like a Roblox type gaming kind of metaverse space. Uh, they also have offices in Portugal. And uh, through one of our online conferences, a manager of or person that works with Portuguese bands was able to connect with them and got two artists onto their platform uh, for a con concert. They had sort of like this Latin uh, music fest online. And while the content is available, they had over a million people stream the content. So here's a DIY artist, nobody knows. It's what platform you're going to use. So just think of like, uh, why would I want to play Lollapalooza? Because we know there'll be a big audience there versus me putting on my show in my hometown at a venue, right? So I think it's also like, this has kind of been the mystery over time in music is literally go where the people are. And, and I think instead of trying to do it yourself, that's you building something to try to get people to understand it, to know about it, to attend it, go where there's there's big audiences already. So like Roblox is, is that type of example. Um, and I know that that's not always accessible by DIY artists, but a vac in life is a platform that is working towards um, allowing emerging artists to use their platform. So um, education is key, connections is key, and really kind of being open to trying things and knowing it's not necessarily always going to work the first time. You always have to do something to learn what worked, what didn't, ch make changes, get better at it. Um, but the one thing I do know is the longer you wait, the more opportunities are missed. And the more you do things, exponentially there's growth, no matter what. Mm. So the sooner you get started, the better it is. Because I feel a lot of people are like, oh, I'll wait, I'll wait. And then all of a sudden it's built and thriving and you've missed the boat. And now you're catching up. Couldn't agree more. That's some solid advice for sure. So tell us about um, Indie Week. When is it kicking off and where can people find tickets and join you? Sure. Uh, well, our, our next conference is Music Pro Summit, and you can go to musicprosummit.com for that. Uh, and then our sort of hub website is indieweek.com. Mm -hmm. Everything's there. And um, definitely follow us on socials, like our Instagram feed. We are always making announcements on Instagram, and it's really easy to find Indie Week. Um, yeah, Instagram is sort of like where we're the most active on socials. Cool. Perfect. Excellent. And I'll put all the uh, the links in the show notes as well. Daryl, thank you so much for your time today and for joining me on Elevate Mind Music and Business podcast. And hopefully we'll have you back on again in the near future. And I will, as I mentioned, put all the links in the show notes and I will actually sign up for Indie Week myself and for the, um, the Pro Summit. Sounds really, really interesting. So Daryl, thanks again. And uh, hopefully we'll chat to you again soon. You bet. And I can hardly wait to be back in Ireland. I got to say, I love it there. And uh, hopefully one day soon, I'll be there. Fantastic. And do let me know when you get over here, because it'd be great to actually meet up face to face. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. I look forward to it. Thanks, Daryl. Thank Take care. Bye for now. All right. Bye now.